My name is Luis Sanchez and you're listening to Farming on Mars. Hey guys, we got a rain a few days ago, so I had a chance to run over to the gym real quick and get an interview with Luis Sanchez, who's the Owens Co-op Gin Superintendent and also a farmer in Crosby County. So let's go ahead and jump into this week's episode. Listed all up. A lot of it. If you go down south, like on 165, see less and less. Some replant barely coming up, so. Yeah. I saw, I guess there's some a little bit north of here. Yes. That's yeah. left. Dwight Roy has quite a bit on 1831. Did mm-hmm. you come on 207? Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks better on 1831 if you go uh, about two, three miles. It, well, maybe four miles. It starts looking better, so. Okay. Anyway, yeah. whenever you're ready. All right. I usually just start out with you saying who you are and what you do. My name is Luis Sanchez, and I am a gin superintendent at Owens Co-op Gin and a part-time farmer, I guess. <laughs> okay. So as the... I guess let's back up. So you grew up in Rawls, didn't you? Yes, ma'am. You've been around farming and, yes. and cotton your whole life. I actually grew up in Caprock. Caprock. Where... Uh, where Delton Cadell has his house now, there was a white house there, and that's where I grew up at till I was, I guess, like till 12 years old. And then Delton Cadell bought that farm from A.J. Cowley, and he moved that white house over here by that old church in that Cabrock Gin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, but I've been around Rawls all my life, yes. Mm-hmm. Did you always know that you were going to? Do something in the cotton industry or stay around here? No, not really. I guess uh, I worked at a textile mill, uh, started driving a tractor since I was like 14 years old. So uh, you've always thought about, hey, it'd be nice to have your own little place. And of course, it was way out of my league, I thought at the time. And it just kind of fell in on my lap, kind of. Mm-hmm. So. How did you get into... I guess, how did you become the gin supervisor? How did you get into that? When I was working at the textile mill, uh, they had a layoff back in 1994, and so I started spraying uh, right, uh, spraying weeds on a bowl buggy for Dole Norris. And uh, a guy named Lario Delgado, uh, me and him were working together, and he, uh, I told him, hey, I'm looking for a job after this, so what's up? And he said, hey, I work at a cotton gin, so go apply at Owens. Talked to Mario Cortez. He was a superintendent back then. So, like back in October of 1994, I came and talked to Mario, and he told me to come back in a couple of weeks, and I did, and then been here ever since. Started sweeping, uh, swept all that year, all that season. Then I got laid off. They called me back in April of '95, and uh, I ginned that ginning season, and. I became a superintendent in 2005. Been here ever since. So, so you said before that you were working at a textile mill. At Lorenzo Textile Mill, Lorenzo. yes. Can you talk about that? Because I'm kind of fascinated with how things used to be, like that we actually used to make things here. So, what what did you do there? I started out as uh, I guess you'd make a, I forgot what that machine was called. A carding machine. And you would get different uh, 
spools of cotton, I guess, uh, cans of cotton, and you'd weave them together and put them into a machine, and then make a big old sliver, and it mixed the fibers, like they could go 50, 50, 50 cotton, 50 rayon, or 50% cotton, uh, and 50 whatever, polyester or whatever. And uh, that was my job, was to run that machine, and then you mix it together, and then it would take it to a different machine and make yarn out of that. And we would make the mop yarn, we'd make all kinds of different stuff, kind of neat. Yeah. They had to keep it pretty humid in there, so they had like little uh, misters inside the textile mill. So it's pretty hot. Did they get the cotton from here, or where were they bringing the cotton I from? really don't know. Victor Landin was a supervisor back then, and I guess he was in charge of ordering cotton or cotton bales. Uh, they would mix it with a bunch of even moat bales, uh, depending on what kind of quality the buyer wanted. But I never, I never got that far to find out where they would get the cotton. I, I would guess, or hopefully it was from local gins, but I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. When did that um, textile mill shut down? I guess it's still running a little bit today, isn't it? I mean, oh, I haven't, is? I think it is. Oh, I see cars there every once in a while, but I don't know. Last I heard about it, some company out of North Carolina had bought them out. Okay, I'm gonna have to check into that. What do you do day to day? And then talk about how it's different between the different seasons. Day to day, usually it's like, hey, planning on what to do the next day, what do we need to get done, what parts we have to get a certain job done. Because uh, if you order pipe work, it might take two or three weeks to get it. And a lot of times you get bits and pieces here and there, and uh, you have to wait for the complete, uh, for all the parts to complete your job. So uh, you got to kind of make a schedule. Hey, we need to do this. Uh, unless something comes up, Steve will tell me if it's top priority, then we'll get on that. Uh, maybe like housing or whatever. Uh, but. Uh, Day-to-day, it kind of changes on what kind of parts you can get and how quick you can get them. Uh, and different seasons, of course, the cotton is different, you know that. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it, it's bad. Uh, weather has a lot to do with it. Uh, we try our best to fix the gin as best as we can so we won't have any downtime during ginning season. Go through every bearing, go through almost every bolt. If it's rusted out, we change it, uh, sort of like we do with the uh, planners and, and strippers. You try to go through everything so you can have the least downtime possible. Mm-hmm. So. so can you, whenever you're in the gin, can you tell if it's a good year or a bad year, like with the way the cotton's ginning, or can you tell the difference? How do you tell the difference between the different varieties, like with just the way they're ginning? A lot of times... Uh, and I don't know if this is good to say, but a lot of times you can just tell by farmers. And I don't know oh, okay. what it is, but if you get a good farmer, you're glad to see him on the list. Oh, this guy's <laughs> coming up next. Yeah. And if you see another farmer coming up, and golly, this is going to be rough cotton. And it's usually the case, not always, but it is. But I mean, different varieties, I really don't know what's coming in or what the farmer planted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when there's good variety, I'll usually text Steve and say, hey, what did this guy plant because it's running smooth? Mm-hmm. Or, hey, what did this guy plant because it's real leafy or there's a lot of dirt in this cotton? Uh, 
but it varies a lot from farmer to farmer for whatever reason. I don't know if it's his practices or I really don't know. What causes downtime in the gin? Like what's usually the thing that breaks down that causes problems? The biggest problem would probably be your press, maybe hydraulics, uh, hose busting maybe. Uh, as far as uh, machinery-wise, bearings aren't that hard to change. Uh, we try to work all our bearings, you know, get them off and put them on and put anises on them so they won't get stuck. Uh, we've been lucky last couple of years. We haven't had that much downtime. We've been improving a little bit. Uh, but the biggest uh, fear is having electrical problems or computer problems with your press. That'd be a big old deal, I guess. Yeah. When you have to call somebody in to help you fix stuff. That makes sense. How, how have you seen ginning change since you started working here? When I first started ginning back in 1994, uh, or working in the, in the cotton gin, uh, we had a lot of stripper cotton. Uh, we were lucky to gin 300 bales a shift in a 12-hour shift. Uh, we had dirt blowers blowing dirt to the dirt house, to the burr house. You would, it wasn't surprised to get choked up three or four times a day. And now, I mean, we can gin continuously without any choke-ups unless we have rough cotton. you got to slow down a little bit. Uh, now we can gin up to 600 bales a day, and it's expected, I guess it's the right word to say, uh, to gin at least 600 bales in a 12-hour period. Mm -hmm. So uh, we improved. Technologies helped out a lot. Uh, automated heaters. I think it's, and there's room for a whole lot more from what I hear, you know, but I think we, we've improved a whole lot. Do you have any interesting stories from working here? <laughs> interesting problems or just years that that like stand out in your mind? I guess uh, there's a bunch of stories. Uh, me and Pat Donathan, she was a bookkeeper that retired from here, secretary, and we would be like, hey, the gin is like a soap opera as the gin turns because... <laughs> of the different uh, personalities, different people that we hire during ginning season. Somebody's always got drama. Somebody's always got, you know, different things. But as far as uh, stories, I don't, I can't think of one in particular, but uh, it's always an awesome feeling at the end of the season when you finish and Steve will go out there and shake everybody's hand, you know, good job, and finally get to rest for a week, you know, because it's <laughs> yeah. hard. I mean, 12 hours a day for three months in a row, you know, it's pretty hard, so. So working out in the gym, there's you, and then how many guys do you have out there all the time? Full-time employees, uh, there's four guys, myself and four guys in the gym. There's a night supervisor, he's got his dinner, and then I have a dinner and my troubleshooter, and then we have a mechanic in the shop full-time. And then during the height of everything. Who do y'all have to hire and then how many like truck drivers? We usually have uh, I think like five module truck drivers. In the gin we hire anywhere between 12 and 13 seasonal guys. Of course to do different jobs, run the press, a press operator, samples, uh, sweepers, to run the gin stands, they're helpers. Uh, 
what they do is they're checking our seed roll to make sure we don't get any wads so we won't catch any fires uh a moat guy so we have anywhere between 12 to 15 people working on one shift 12 hour shift same at night bird truck drivers just a lot of different employees yeah i was out here just picking up some tarps last year and it just seemed like a whole town out here yes. at night it's like a little community yeah and it's all lit up uh so yeah it's totally different you could see it right now and you're like golly how does yeah there's how do you make really... money and you know in three months time you have a small window to make that money i guess and that's what we try to do it in a timely fashion and as fast as we can and as safe as we can so it's a big it's a big deal how did you get into farming while you've been doing this too and then how do you how do you balance both both jobs the way i got into farming i was actually looking for like a little house out of town with about five acres and because uh, I always wanted to have a little a calf or raise a few pigs because I did that when I was younger. You know, my dad always had pigs and had a calf or two. And uh, so anyway, that's always been a little dream of mine. And we were we have saved up enough money to maybe buy a little house in a few acres out of town. And but they were so expensive. And then I had a friend named James Delgado and he said, hey, uh, the house that I'm renting, there's a. 160 acres up for sale with, with a house for this amount of money and I said well golly that's cheaper than buying a five acre lot with a house on it and so in 2014 uh, I talked to the owner and he said yeah that's what I'm asking for it and we made a deal and I rented it to him I rented it leased it out to him the first year and since I started working with my dad well he worked for Charlie Cowley and they would hire me on the tractor and I thought man I'm gonna give this a go so I bought me a tractor went to auctions and bought used equipment and been doing it ever since and I kind of I like it so and the way I balance it is it's kind of hard my wife and my dad helped me out a lot of not I went up won't be able to do it but uh I'm hoping uh maybe by the time I retire I can have a few more acres because that I have all I can handle right now which is about 300 acres farmable acres and uh, hopefully in a couple of years I can get more and maybe retire from the gin and do that full-time yeah that'd be cool yeah that'd be cool if, if everything evens out you know yeah because <laughs> you can go well, broke pretty quick <laughs> well I guess how how do you think this year has gone so far? <laughs> this year, uh, I lost a, a farm, uh, I guess, to hell, and uh, collected insurance, and I decided to replant wildcat cotton. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, summer will be nice to us and have a late freeze, and hopefully make a something out of that. Yeah, I sure hope so. Not only for that, but, I mean, just because. Uh, so we can have cotton for the gin, you know, because that's really my livelihood right there. So, right. Do you know how many acres were lost the other day that Owens usually has? No, I asked Steve about that last week, and he's uh, he said, I'm going to start going out next week, which is this week, 
to assess the situation and mm-hmm. I'll find out I'll find out who replanted who did this and so hopefully we'll know within a few more weeks but it by looking at stuff it's quite a bit is there anything about farming that you think benefits you on the gen side and then vice versa yeah it kind of does because uh by planting different varieties and by uh, farming it and I mean I guess uh I want to keep my fields clean because I've seen all kinds of stuff come, come through the den, uh, devil's claws. You can take out all kinds, sometimes big old careless weed, stems or whatever you want to call them. But I don't know. It just kind of, by ginning, I guess I can ask Steve, hey, what this this farmer plant? It's a good variety, good grades, good quality cotton. And so that kind of gives me... Uh, an idea of what to maybe plant myself for the next season or whatever. Right. I guess it's... Yeah, that'd be pretty helpful. Yeah, real helpful. Right. Let's see. What do you enjoy most about farming? I guess, I don't know, kind of the solitude, being on a tractor out there, uh, just working the land. uh, It's kind of nice. It's just doing something for yourself, you know, without... Uh, I guess you still have a boss because, I mean, you got to push yourself, but it's just nice to be your own, doing your own stuff, you know. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. What did this podcast do? What do you do? Just put it on your... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just put it, put it out there for the world. To listen um, to? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, At cool. first, it was just, like, I thought it was going to be more current stuff going on in farming but ever since I've been interviewing older farmers I like to ask them how it used to be or what they used to do and then what they're also doing now and try to learn from both both things because I've had to do a lot of things that are a little bit more old style just because that's what I've had to do yes um and it's always interesting to hear the backstory to why they did that in the first place or different situations that they had to do something in yes I'm kind of doing it the old style because my dad's really the one running it, you know. And I go out there after hours, uh, after the gym on weekends, and I I plow and uh, he usually sets everything up and I'll just go out there and drive a tractor. And, you know, you hear about this snow till and I think hopefully in the future uh, I can get, you know, going in that direction. But as of now, I'm completely all till, and I mean, just because my dad's old school, I guess, and yeah. that's what he learned working with guys. And you tell him about, uh, or he sees field and like with no till, full of weed and, and weeds, <laughs> and he's golly god, that guy can't afford diesel or what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's how they're doing it. And it's nice, nice looking cotton, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah, that sand fighting five, yeah. six times, especially this year, I'm not about it. And that damages, I think that damages your plant quite a bit. Just just running across it and if any kind of sand blows. Yeah, it was just, it was horrible this year. Just yeah. Everything kind of lined up right yeah. for it to blow. Yes, yes. I think uh, Jen's pretty neat. When I first walked in there, you know, uh, Cause as of 1994, I had never been inside a gin, and you'd see him from the outside, and you're like, "Golly, what a mess!" You know. And when I walked in there the first day I worked there, I said, "Golly, I didn't know all this 
went on to make a bale of cotton. You know, I had always uh, hoed cotton, cultivated cotton, helped strip cotton, uh, and that's about all I knew about it. Of course, with the textile mill, I knew you make yarn out of it, and uh, but now the whole process of making a bale of cotton and what you do with the seed and how you weigh the seed and what's trash and what's, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know I've been to Jennings School since, I guess, 1996, uh, and those guys are there trying to figure out what to do with trash. How can how can they use trash? You know, they're trying to make uh, wood pellets out of uh, out of the burrs, and hopefully they'll come up with something. I think they have. I'm not too sure where they sell it, but uh, it's an interesting deal if you've never been in a gin or seen it processed. Do you talk to other guys at different gins and find out what they're doing? Yes, stuff yes, like that. which helps a lot. Well, when we go to the gender school, we didn't have it this year because of the COVID, but uh, usually every gin is different. Uh, the way that the cotton comes in, the way they're set up. So yeah, definitely you can learn a lot from visiting uh, different gins. Just like talking to different farmers, you know, uh, everybody has a different idea and you're like, golly, why didn't I think of that? And that's easier, easier. Uh, but yeah, most definitely it's good to hang out around people that are doing the same thing you're doing and, right. and discuss stuff. I guess that was kind of all, those are all the questions I had. I'm sure I'll think of more as soon as I leave. That's how it <laughs> yeah, usually yeah, works. Yeah. You want to take a tour of the gym? Yeah, that'd be good. Maybe I'll come up with more questions. After okay, that. sounds good. And that's it for this week. Thank y'all so much for listening, and don't forget to check back again soon for another episode about the people of the plains. I don't know the answers, but the question.